Hello there, and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent, and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined this week by Solomon Ashoms in Johannesburg, South Africa, and by Erasmus Kwao in Accra, Ghana. And on this week's show, we ask how safe our stadiums are in Africa. Last weekend, eight people died after a wall collapsed at a stadium in Senegal after police fired tear gas. It's the latest in a long line of tragedies, and we ask whether it's safe to take our families to stadiums and if enough action is being taken. We hear from Ghana, the scene of Africa's worst ever stadium disaster. Plus, we have part two of our interview with Kenya national team goalkeeper Arnold Origi, who has some inspiring advice for youngsters. My point is, you know, never give up. You know, when these times come, you know, just stay focused and uh, stay resilient, you know, and uh, never give up, you know. Well, before that, there was huge news on Thursday as the Confederation of African Football's Executive Committee approved a proposal to expand the Africa Cup of Nations from 16 teams to 24 teams, starting from the next tournament in 2019 in Cameroon. It could be difficult for Cameroon logistically, but fans of the smaller nations in African football will be delighted. This gives a chance to the likes of the Gambia, Kenya, Sierra Leone, Liberia and many other countries to qualify and even to become regulars at the showpiece of African football. We talked about this on the show at the time of the expanded European Championship last year, where there are now 24 teams, and many listeners to the show said they would be in favour of an expanded Africa Cup of Nations too. So big news there. Well, there was sad news in African football last weekend as eight people died and at least 49 were injured after a wall collapsed at a stadium in Senegal. This happened at the end of Senegal's League Cup final at the Demba Jop Stadium in Dakar. Fighting broke out between rival supporters at the end of the match and police fired tear gas. This caused a stampede that led to the wall collapsing as fans attempted to flee the stadium. The sports minister said that there will be strong measures so that such an event will never be repeated in Senegal. Well, sadly, there have been many stadium tragedies in Africa. The worst was in 2001 in Ghana, when 126 fans died at the Accra Sports Stadium. The same year, 43 fans died in South Africa at an overcrowded Ellis Park Stadium in Johannesburg. In 2000, here in Harare, 13 fans died in a stampede at the National Sports Stadium when police fired tear gas into the crowd during a World Cup qualifier between Zimbabwe and South Africa. I was there and I'll never forget that day and the smell of the tear gas. I was fortunate personally to have avoided the stampede as I was down on the touchline, but we all had to run up to the exits eventually as the tear gas was just too strong. So is there any improvement in stadium security in Africa? Can we take our families to watch football without fear of their safety? To talk about this, Solomon joins me from Johannesburg and Erasmus Kwao joins us from Accra in Ghana. Erasmus, first of all, remind us about what happened in that tragedy in Accra in 2001. Well, May 9 evokes a lot of bad memories in Ghana football. It was obviously the darkest hour as far as I've a game of football is concerned. 
Um, it was a Wednesday evening kickoff between the two biggest football teams in Ghana. Accra has a folk in Kumasi Asante Kotoko. And the sort of match, you know, that divides a nation into two, divides families, you know. And so it always evokes a lot of, you know, um, passion going into it. There was heavy security, you know, presence at the stadium. And um, on the football side of it, Kotoko scored first. Then Hatterfield came back and then scored two late goals to clinch victory on the day. And that didn't seem to have, you know, um, really sat well with a lot of the Kotoko faithful in the fan, in the stands because they tr- started throwing all sort of measles onto the field, uh, apparently to protest one of the goals. They felt um, Ishmaelado, the Hatterfield striker, was in an offside position when he picked up the ball to go and score. I think the initial police response was to fire rubber bullets into the stands, fire bands, you know, to disperse the crowd and to try to control the situation. But then later on, they started firing indiscriminately, you know, um, tear gas canisters into the stands. And that's when all hell broke loose. Because from, you know, watching TV, you could see people running from the terraces to the narrow exit ways trying to make their way out of the stadium. We all thought we had heard the last of that incident. But then I think later on in the evening, around 12 midnight, I woke up and then, you know, put on the television. That is when I saw reports, you know, emerging of um, hundreds of people dying due to suffocation. It became apparent that um, the um, the doors to the stairways had been locked, you know, uh, by the National Sports Authority uh, workers. And so those fans that we saw descending the terraces trying to make their way out of the stadium apparently were not able to make their way out. Lots of them suffocated to death. Uh, emergency services were a bit slow in responding to the situation, and that was also another leading cause of death you know, on the day. And so May uh, 10th, the president, um, Kufo, announced three days of national mourning and the Presidential Commission of Inquiry was set up to investigate the incident. I think they took two months and brought 64 recommendations in all. And six police officers were charged for criminal negligence. There were proposed changes to the structure of the stadium, which had not been renovated for a very long time, You know, just as the case of Senegal that has come up recently. And, you know, the Accra Sports Stadium was described as a death trap during the commission's hearing. Um, you know, and it just led to one thing led to the other. But I think the mystery really evolved around the fact that why the police had fired so many tear gas canisters into the stands and why the National Sports Authority Council workers on the day had chosen to lock the gates to the stairways. Well, very, very sad. And would you say that enough action was taken after that disaster 16 years ago, Erasmus? Well, to quote the words of the chairman of the Presidential Commission into the May 9th Commission, uh, Sam Okujeto, he said very little has been, had been done about the recommendation they had made and that most of the recommendations were ignored. And so from there off, um, a lot of people felt enough action had not been taken following the May 9th disaster. I remember there was a massive public outcry when the court ruled that the prosecution had failed to make a case against the six police officers who had ordered for the tear gas canisters to be fired into the stands. Back then, it was explained that the over 100 people had died from having their chest cavities crashed inward in suffocation and not directly from the tear gas. You know, opinions were divided because some felt the police were actually protecting public property 
And you know, in the signs, the fans were ripping seats off the concrete and throwing it onto the ground. So police were just there to protect the public and make sure the right things were being done. Um, opinions were divided on quite a number of issues, you know. Um, but there were also structural changes that were recommended to be made to Accra Sports Stadium, which had not been, um, you know, renovated in a very long time. Um, some also said that um, the facilities there should have been up to scratch because remember in 2000, Ghana had co-hosted the Africa Cup of Nations with Nigeria. So many wondered why the um, you know, chairs um, in the stands were that easy to be ripped away you know, from the concrete floor. Um, the stairways were expanded you know, in the aftermath of May night. Um, the barbed wires from the, on top of the inner perimeter was also removed. And of course, the stadium has also gone, undergone extensive renovation for the 2008 Africa Cup of Nations. But we still don't have stewards in the stands to control the crowd on match days. And that has been a major, you know, headache. Because there's this culture of impunity where people just go to stadium, uh, the stadium and misbehave. Nothing is done about them. They go each week and do the same acts and nothing is done about that. And so... Um, one of the recommendations was to have that checked, to have stewards in the stands directly to be able to deal with the issues. But even after May 9, there was another stadium disaster, April 6, 2009, in Kumasi, the second biggest city in, in Ghana. And, you know, um, four people died due to overcrowding. And so overall, you know, the thought is that um, really did not lend the lessons and much action was now taken. Today, the Accra Sports Stadium is still described as a death trap as much as it was described as a death trap, you know, May 9, 2009. That is given the nature of the, uh, the rusty nature of the steel metal works that holds the stadium today. Salt water air has corroded much, you know, of the venue and government estimates it will cost about $3 million to spray it with rust-proof paint. Again, it's something that people, you know, will not have expected to have happened given the event of May 9th, 2001. Well, here in Zimbabwe, we still have police firing tear gas inappropriately. It happened here just a few weeks ago, and this appears to be the issue in the Senegal disaster last weekend. Has it changed, would you say, in Ghana, Erasmus? Well, the tear gas situation in Ghana football, I must say, um, has improved. And that is one of the positives from May 9, 2001. Because we've not, you know, witnessed another incident where tear gas canisters were fired into an enclosed area, um, you know, like the Accra Sports Stadium, Kumase, Tamale or Secondly, in the manner that happened May 9, 2001. Of course, there have been some incidents in some of the lower tier divisions where, um, you know, police will fire tear gas to disperse unruly fans and to bring sanity, uh, you know, to the game. But you feel that it's more of a behavioral issue, especially with the fans misbehaving. They feel that they can do it and get away with it. They do it because they feel that, you know, uh, match officials um, have taken the law into their own hands and then just, you know, uh, awarding a penalty infringement against their team or something that they feel uh, has just gone wrong on the field. And so that really is something that degenerates into the fans' unruly behavior, you know, at points in time. Yes, and we see that too here in Zimbabwe. Thanks a lot to Erasmus Kwao in Accra in Ghana. Do stay with us. But uh, now, Solomon, the Ellis Park tragedy in South Africa, where 43 fans were crushed to death in 2001 at the biggest fixture in South African football between Kaiser Chiefs and Orlando Pirates, was to do with overcrowding. 
Just remind us of what happened that day. In this incident, it was just about 38 minutes into the first half. The game was 1-1 and uh, then there was an announcement that the stadium was was filled up, sold out. So fans that were outside uh, should just go home. Now, the thing is, a lot of fans that were outside had a ticket already because they bought their tickets days or weeks before the game. And there were other fans that were out there trying to buy a ticket, but they said the ticket was sold out. We had a situation where a stadium with a capacity of 60,000, we had about 80,000 fans, you know, at the stadium. Uh, A lot of them with tickets, but couldn't go in. So they, they pushed their way in and... And the game had to be stopped and there was stampede and then the police fired some tear gas and there was a bit of confusion and, you know, football fans were running all over uh, and, and just trying to, to take cover, that kind of situation. And the game had to be abandoned. And that was how, you know, a lot of them, uh, football fans, the 43, were crushed. And one of them was actually the youngest, I think it was uh, 13 years of age, uh, sadly, uh, who lost uh, uh, his, his life in that incident. So it, it was a really sad day until they this day every year both teams Orlando Pirates and Kaiser Chiefs and also the football fans in South Africa they remember this incident because I remember watching it on TV and and watching the bodies being carried out onto the ambulance being lined up and and the cries and the faces of people and the president of South Africa then Tabo Mbeki had to set up a judicial committee to to investigate it and the judicial committee actually found that uh, put the blame on, on the football fans, put the blame um, on, on, on the security at the stadium for, for taking bribes and allowing certain football fans to come in. Uh, blame the, the league uh, for not really having uh, prepared enough and have all the logistics and the security in place. For, for a game of such magnitude. So uh, everybody had to take a blame and then learn from it. So Solomon, after those findings, were measures taken to improve the issue of overcrowding at stadiums in South Africa? Uh, well, since uh, 2001, we hadn't experienced any sort of situation in South Africa. Um, and I believe a lot of measures were taken to improve the issue of uh, overcrowding. Uh, across stadiums in South Africa. Uh, You know, fans are encouraged to buy and get their tickets before the game. Uh, Securities were beefed up. Uh, You get the police as part of the security team for for any game. You get the the, the national police and then you also get the, the city police. Uh, in in certain situations, and you also have a you know external a security outfit hired uh, to come in and also provide some sort of security. And also, there's been a situation where a lot of fans have been educated to to make sure that uh, if you don't have a ticket, you know certain games. If you don't have a ticket, don't even go to the stadium. Uh, you know, don't even come close to the stadium. So you have security from way out where if you don't have a ticket, tickets are sold out, so you cannot even approach the entrance of the stadium uh, from the second gate, uh, that kind of situation. And I also feel that the South African uh, Premier Soccer League, that is the PSL, has uh, put in place uh, a lot of uh, measures when it comes to uh, making sure the ticketing is done right, uh, making sure also that uh, funds are not uh, you know packed into a stadium like a sardine, but they, they, they're split into different groups. Uh, and we also have a, a situation where, uh, you know, the right people to man the stadium or to sell the tickets or to be part of the security are, are brought in just so, you know, 
situations where you have a corruption situation uh, would be eliminated. So you have those kind of situations. And that has really improved the South African Premier Soccer League and, and made it one of the best. Uh, you know, I go to the stadium, you go with the family and friends and, and you feel safe. Uh, you don't feel like you, you, you're threatened and, and all that. And, and you also have situations where, you know, they tell fans you cannot come into the stadium with bottles um, and all that kind of thing. So that's very, very important. So that sounds really advanced now in South Africa. World-class ticketing and security at stadiums there. This is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And we're discussing stadium security on the show this week after the disaster in Senegal last weekend where eight people died after a wall collapsed at a stadium in Senegal. This after police had fired tear gas. It's the latest of many tragedies around Africa, so we're asking whether it's safe to take our families to stadiums and if enough action is being taken. Let's go back to Ghana and rejoin Erasmus Kwal. Uh, this certainly is an issue that fans all around Africa can relate to Erasmus, so would you say that we can take our families to watch football in Africa without fear of their safety? Well, Steve, that's, that's a very difficult question to you know, answer. Will you take your family to the stadium, especially in the crunch, Hearts of Folk versus Kumasi Asante Kotoko game? I will bet you perhaps one out of ten uh, families will do that you know, for such a crunch game, given the history, you know, which tends to be a bit more rowdy. So I remember as a kid, when growing up, my father would take me to some of the big matches, come back home, nothing will happen. Yes, there are some football fanatics who... who who continue to, you know, go that traditional way of sending their kids out there to go and experience the game. But on the other hand, when the national team is playing, perhaps the Black Stars, the Satellites, the under-20, the under-17 teams, yes, for me, those are the more conducive environments because you go out there and, you know, it's not a harsh protocol where fans are coming up against each other. It's more of a national affair. When Mike Layson had his Peace Cup game in Accra, it was a massive, you know, sellout. Lots of families were there because they were just out there to see the stars of this world, the Didier Drobers and what have you. So it very much depends on the match that is being played. The Ghana Football Association in recent times has had come up with campaigns to encourage women to come to stadium. To the extent they will say women can come free. Um, there's been some positive results, but overall, you still have that apprehension you know, about taking your family, you know, to the game. Well, sure. Uh, For me, I'd say that there are definitely some fixtures in Zimbabwe where you know there's a risk of crowd trouble and that the game can end up with clashes between police and fans. Uh, Thanks a lot to Erasmus Kwao in Accra in Ghana. Uh, Now, Solomon, you said uh, that in South Africa you feel it is safe for families to go and watch games. But uh, let's get your thoughts on the situation in Nigeria, where you grew up and still spend quite a lot of time. Uh, First, though, in the case of South Africa, I guess hosting the 2010 World Cup helped a lot in stadium security. That has really improved the the knowledge that South African Football Association and also South Africa Premier Soccer League uh, has when it comes to logistics and uh, stadium organization when it comes to football games. Uh, so, th- so they've learned quite a lot. And, and on the, bet- the best way to learn, you know, to manage stadiums and manage crowd definitely is uh, when you host a World Cup. So that's really uh, improved it. And we see uh, families go to stadiums uh, to, to watch games and young kids go into stadium and you feel safe. 
but but in Nigeria, to, to be honest, uh, the last time I went to a stadium, I didn't really feel safe. You know, you see uh, football fans coming in without tickets. Uh, you see the security letting football fans to come in without tickets. They just take a bribe out of them. The security is also there to make money outside of the money that they're paid uh, to man, uh, you know, all the entrances and exits. So you, you end up having too many football fans watching a game. And also you get, uh, you allow football fans to come in with, with bottles and certain metals that you're not supposed to to come into a stadium with it. So in case of overcrowding and you know and having the wrong fans in there to intimidate the other fans, you you get a lot of that kind of situation. A lot of the stadiums actually in Nigeria, uh, you know, they, there are no security entrances where you have to go through, uh, you know, maybe two three gates before you get to the main gate. Uh, in a lot of situations, you just go straight to the main gate. But in South Africa, it's very different. You have to go through uh, three four security posts, and you have to be vetted, and and your ticket needs to be checked before you even get access you know close to the stadium uh, and that is very very important and 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 when it comes to that i feel you know when it comes to to that across africa we need to really improve on that and really make sure that we we make sure that uh, the stadiums are safe for families and friends because that's what football is all about you come to the stadium enjoy a great game laugh and and be inspired and enjoy you know a great great game of football Absolutely. Well, thanks a lot to Solomon Ashams in Johannesburg in South Africa. We'd love to hear from you on WhatsApp and on Facebook. Tell us how safe it is to watch football in your country. There have been many disasters over the years around Africa. What's the situation in your country? Do you feel it's safe to go and watch matches? Is it safe to take families to stadiums? Has enough been done as far as stadium safety and security is concerned? Go on to our Facebook page, that's Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp and tell us how safe are football stadiums where you are. The number is plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. This is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And still to come, part two of our interview with Kenya national team goalkeeper Arnold Origi. Let's go to last week's question now on social media. We asked who you think will win the 2017 CAF Champions League. As we now have the quarter-final lineup, Al Atli Tripoli of Libya take on Tunisia's Etoile du Sahel. Al Atli of Egypt play Esperance of Tunisia. Ferro Viario Baira of Mozambique face Algeria's USM Algier. And defending champions Mamelodi Sundowns of South Africa are up against Widad Casablanca of Morocco. Well, a lot of people think that Mabalodi Sundowns can go all the way and win it for a second year. Those are the thoughts of Malik Gai in the Gambia, of Saiku Sonko also in the Gambia, Khalifa Sanyang in China and Ansamana Sonko in the Gambia. Abdullah Ba in Sierra Leone also thinks that Mamelodi Sundowns can do it, as does Modu Pabi Baji from the Gambia. In Cameroon, Donald thinks the trophy will go to North Africa. He's tipping USM Algier. Lamine Bakari Sanyang in the Gambia also goes for USM. Some are tipping the eight-time champions Al-Athli of Egypt to do it again. Babukar Jaju in the Gambia and Karamba Dabo also in the Gambia tips Al-Athli. Along with Musa Kamara, Modu Lamine Marong and Modu G.J. Kole all in the Gambia. 
Thanks for those thoughts. Always great to hear from you. And again this week, uh, tell us how safe you feel it is to watch football in your country. The Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, and our WhatsApp number, plus 447955232780. That's plus 447955232780. Well, finally this week on Planet Sport Football Africa to part two of our interview with Kenya national team goalkeeper Arnold Origi. Origi has 32 appearances for the national team. He plays in Norway for Lillestrom, having joined them in 2013. Arnold Origi's uncle is the famous Mike Origi, who was a professional footballer in Belgium. And Mike is the father of Divock Origi, who plays for Liverpool and the Belgium national team. Uh, this means that Arnold Origi is cousin of Divock Origi. Well, in this uh, second part, Planet Sport Football Africa's Liam Flint spoke to Arnold about his football and his faith as a follower of Jesus Christ. He first asked about the ambitions of the Kenya national team. The closer goal now would be going to the Cup of Nations because we feel like, uh, you know, we, we have the chance and we have the players to do so. So that's not a far goal to reach, you know, as far as the World Cup is concerned. You know, there's lots and lots of things we need to do for us before you know, we can be able to compete with the Giants because they have been doing things uh, the right way over a long period of time. You know, it's now that Kenya, we are trying to do things the right way. So for us, the ambition now is, is to qualify for the African Cup of Nations because the last one was, I think, was in 2002. That's when we last played the African Cup of Nations. So, you know, this is what the country wants. This is what all the footballing fans in Kenya are yearning for, you know, at least to see their country or a team that can relate to at the, at the African Cup of Nations. How good is it to represent the Harambe Stars alongside such serious talent that you have in the squad? You have some really good individual players. How exciting has it been to be a part of that? It is, it is. It is very exciting because, as you said, you know, we are very, very talented players, you know, Victor, uh, Michael Olunga and many, many others. So it's, uh, it's it's quite an exciting space, you know, and then, you know, the passion that uh, the country has for the football, you know, the way... The fans are happy and over the moon when we win, and the way they are disappointed whenever we lose. You know, it's uh, it's, uh, it's it's like nothing I've ever seen before. You know, like here in Europe, you know, like okay, you're gonna play a game, you're gonna win, and uh, you know we celebrate, and uh, you know the next day it's almost it's like back to normal. You know, everybody goes back to to his own to his own business. You know, but in Africa, you know, you you win, then uh, the whole country is buzzing for maybe three four days. You know, you you're heroes for three four days for a week, and if you lose, then uh, you know they're gonna kill you and they're gonna batter you for the next days until for the next days and months until the next qualifiers. You know, so the passion and the and the demand and the pressure. You know, the adrenaline you get playing for the national team, and of course, as you said before, the talent that's in the team. You know, and the potential that's in the team. You know, it uh, makes it you know a, a very very exciting experience is it difficult to follow jesus in the world of pro football you've got cameras everywhere you've got a reputation you need to uphold does it make it difficult uh you know at first when you start when you're new to the faith it's kind of difficult you know you feel uh, kind of reserved you feel kind of embarrassed and uh you know as you said before you know you feel like maybe what will these guys think you know you see you have a reputation to make and and also you think like maybe this is a is a boring thing you say, okay, no, I cannot do this, I cannot do this, I cannot do that. But, uh, you know, as you keep on, as you stay resilient, that you keep on uh, seeking God, as you keep on, you know, reading the Bible and, and spending time with God, then, you know, you find out that, like, you know, it's not, it's not that bad after all. And, and uh, you know, you develop uh, some kind of uh, a cocoon that protects you from, uh, from all those thoughts and you just, like, 
put your eyes on uh, on Christ and, and and focus on that and just go for it. So God gives you the strength, the strength and the grace to cope with all criticism that might come or some condemnation or some judgment or maybe abuse. But you know, you 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 deal with that and. Uh, you know, you, you grow strong each and every day, you know, when you just stay resilient and, uh, and just keep on pushing. You've been in the privileged position to have made a career out of football, represented the Harambe Stars, which obviously you've dreamed to do for a long time. What advice would you give to young footballers out there who dream of doing what you've done, of playing for Kenya? What would you say to them? My advice, especially for young guys, especially in Kenya, you know, I know it's difficult, especially the goalkeepers. Okay, goalkeepers plus it's difficult, you know. Uh, there's there's lots of lots of challenges, you know. But uh, the most important thing is to stay focused, you know, stay focused and uh, you know, stay committed to what you want to do and what 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 you're doing and what you want to be. You know, don't lose, don't don't take your eyes from the prize because uh, you have to work hard. You know, stay disciplined. You know, disciplined. You have to listen. You know, to advice from your elders, from the coaches. You know discipline you have to know when i'm supposed to go to training when i'm supposed to be at home when i'm supposed to be sleeping you know these are the kind of stuff that uh like like most of us when growing up in kenya we don't know but this is the advice i would have given to this kid you know stay disciplined stay focused and uh, you know resilient don't don't give up don't give up don't give up because at times it will look difficult it will, it will almost look impossible because I experienced that, and there was a time was like, okay, maybe this uh, this Europe stuff is not gonna happen, you know. I maybe I need to start going to school, something which is is good as well, you know. Get your books, but uh, you know, my point is, you know, never give up, you know. When these times come, you know, just stay focused and uh, stay resilient, you know, and uh, never give up, you know. Well, great advice there from Kenya national team goalkeeper Arnold Origi. Well, that's it for the show for this week. So from me, Steve Vickers in Harare, from Solomon Ashams in Johannesburg and Erasmus Kwao in Accra, Ghana, thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.